The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, For anyone, for everyone who calls upon, calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, then how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But now, but how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you be with us now through your Son and by your Spirit. Raise us up and elevate us so that we may know your word. Your word may make a home within our hearts. Let us hear the words of our Savior this morning. By your Spirit, help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The question, saints, I have before you this morning is, what is your thought of preaching? What is your thought of preaching? We can ask another question, and that is, what is a preacher? What is a preacher? And what is the preaching of God's Word? In this day and age, there is no shortage of preachers. But also, there's no shortage of those who are hearers of the preached word. Within our own city, you can find more than 10 churches uh, in different areas within our city. And gathering within those churches may be 100, maybe 200. Uh, Some churches may be 500 people. They gather together not only to sing, but also to hear one speak. What is it about the preached word, though, that causes so much of our attention during Sunday worship? Why is it that we listen and do the preached word longer than the Lord's Supper? Why is the preached word longer than our times of singing? Why is the preached word longer than our time of confessing our sins to Christ, but also hearing of the great grace of God? Why is the preaching longer than after service when we are to fellowship with one another? Why is it that the preached word takes so much of our time when we gather together? I'm not sure if you ever asked yourselves that question. Why do we do this longer than anything else that we do when we gather together? Well, saints, this morning we want to consider not only preaching, but the nature of preaching. Preaching, but the nature of preaching. What is preaching? And also, what happens when the preacher preaches? What is preaching and what happens when the preacher preaches? One of the things when I was younger that so influenced me was when Pastor Antonio did a sermon, and maybe it was even a series of lessons, on the Lord's Supper. And I was gripped by not merely the Lord's Supper from a dogmatic standpoint, that is to say, what the supper is, but also what happens during the Lord's Supper. I can think of, and he brought up the examples of Luther's experience with the Lord's Supper and many other theologians' experiences 
when they discover what the Lord's Supper is. So saints, if there is, if there is a sermon that you are to listen to, it's going to be this sermon. If there is a time for you to open up your ears and hearts and minds, even right now within your mind and ask God to awaken you, it's going to be this sermon here for this sermon without doubt is one of the most important sermons that I've ever preached in my life because it deals with things of eternal matter. It deals with heaven or hell. It deals with whether or not God is going to and continue will and will continue to call you to all that he has prescribed for you to be. But what is a preacher, let's ask? What is a preacher? What is a preacher? If you were to ask a hundred Christians what a preacher is, you may receive a hundred different answers. There are many who view the preacher as merely an entertainer. They're merely one who stands before others and arises emotions and affections from the people. The preacher is simply one who can hold a large audience by the sway and the power of his words. The preacher is merely a great communicator, one who's really good with the English language. One who can understand the Bible. Or the preacher is one who can attract a following. Well, friends, if this is what it means to be a preacher, then quite simply, anyone can preach. Any man can preach. Although it's forbidden, any woman can preach. Any child can preach. If that is what it means to be a preacher, then the office of a preacher is no greater than the office of a president. There is no difference than one who is a great communicator, what they do, and what a preacher does. If that is what it means to be a preacher, then a preacher is nothing more than a motivational speaker. He's a, he's a famous entertainer or just a wonderful communicator. If that's what it means to be a preacher, but saints, thank God that that is not what it means to be a preacher. A preacher is not an entertainer. A preacher is not a motivational speaker. A preacher is not one who has his way with words. A preacher is not one whom you sit down to listen to for 45 minutes to an hour because he can motivate you, he can uplift your spirits, he can get you fired up about Christianity. But a preacher is one through whom Christ speaks. That is what a preacher is. A preacher is one through whom Christ, Jesus Christ, speaks. And this is why the preacher and the duty of the preacher. Again, the preacher and the duty and the call of the preacher on Sunday is more important than the highest duty from the highest position in the world. What the preacher does on Sunday is more important than the president meeting with the Oval Office and, and those who are in his cabinet to discuss things concerning war and policies and laws and things like that. What the preacher does today is more important than a woman getting married on her wedding day or a woman giving birth to her first child. When kings speak, they speak from an earth 
absolutely royal authority. When the president speaks, he speaks from the position of power that we, the people, have given to him. But when a preacher speaks, when a man comes behind the pulpit and opens God's word up to the people, he speaks on the behalf of God. He doesn't speak on the behalf of the people, on behalf of his royal lineage, lineage, but he speaks for Christ. The preacher is not merely a lecturer or a teacher then, but the preacher is a prophet. Not one that declares new truths or is given new revelations, but rather he takes God's word and he presents the mysteries of Christ and God's salvation to the congregation. We will come back to this point, but for now, we must ask the question, now what happens during the preached word? What happens during the preached word? Since the preacher is an ambassador of Christ, since the preacher speaks on the behalf of God, since it is the preacher who Christ uses as an instrument to speak to the souls of his people, then is there anything that happens during the preached word? In other words, saints, have you come this morning to listen to a man just utter words? Have you come to just hear a man this morning? What is it about the words that the preacher uses that may do something to you? Not only during the preaching, but after the preaching. What is it about preaching itself? Again, saints, what happens during the preached word? And this is where our Reformed tradition, taking their warrant from Scripture, shines the brightest. Consider with me a few quotes. The second Helvetic Confession says, We believe today, when this word of God is proclaimed in the church by preachers who have been legitimately called, then the very word of God itself is proclaimed and received by the faithful. John Owen says, Let a man but consider that he, uh, that it is God, the great and holy one, that speaketh unto him in his word. Bahamas Obraco says the minister must remind himself in a lively manner that God has sent him, that he ascends the pulpit as an ambassador of God, speaks in the name of God, and is as the mouth of the Lord unto the congregation. Jeremiah Barrow says first, when you come to hear the word, if you would sanctify God's name, if you possess with your soul uh, what is within you, you are going to hear. If you say within your soul that you're going to hear, that you are going to hear is the word of God. What you're going to hear is the word of God. It is not the speaking of a man you're going to attend. But you're, you are now going to attend upon God and to hear the word of the eternal God. And lastly, John Calvin puts it short and sweet. Every time the gospel is preached, it is as if God himself came in person to summon us. What our reformed fathers are saying is indeed the testimony of sacred scripture. That when the preacher preaches faithfully, hear me congregation, when the preacher preaches faithfully and accurately, it is really God, holy God, very God of very God, who speaks to you. 
Again, when the preacher preaches faithfully, it is God that preaches to you. So there's two things I wanted to highlight on this point, and that is, number one, what happens when the preached word goes forth? God speaks to his people. And number two, God gives grace to his people. If we want to sum up what God does during the preached word, you could say simply this, God speaks to me, and when God speaks to me, he gives me grace. Let's consider the first, God speaks to his people. As it has already been said, during the preached word, through the mouth of the preacher, God speaks. John Calvin said at this point, Christ acts by them in such a manner that he wishes their mouth to be reckoned as his mouth. And as their lips as his lips. That is, when they speak from his mouth and faithfully declare his word. What Calvin is saying is, there is a, a, a union between the preacher and what he's speaking and Christ and what he says and what has said. What Calvin is saying is when the preacher preaches accurately, it is Christ himself who preaches, who really preaches, who, who, who speaks to his sheep. And this is what the Bible bear witness to. Consider with me 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Of course, you might say, the Reformed tradition <laughs> have uh, dreamt up something really nice. God has uh, cho- chose to speak to us. But where is this in the Bible? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul writes to a church he had served in prison, a congregation he had instructed and exhorted as a father and has cared for as a mother. He begins to thank God for their work of faith and love. And then he turns to remind them of God's work in them through the preaching of the word. Consider verse 13. He says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it, what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in believers in you. Maybe you didn't catch it. Let me explain it more to you. Paul is saying to the saints, he says that the preaching of the apostles, his preaching, it was accepted by the Thessalonians as the word of God. And notice that that term there, the word of God. You receive the word of God, which you heard from us. That can be translated as you received the hearing word. You received the preaching word. You receive what Reformation Bible Church is going to receive in 2021. You receive that. Here Paul is saying, when you heard the preaching of the word of God, you accepted it. But notice, saints, why did the Thessalonian Christians accept the hearing word? What was their reasoning for accepting the preached word? Was it because of the eloquence of Paul? Was it because of Paul's way with words? Because he understood lofty doctrine? Because he was a great saint? Notice what Paul says. You receive the hearing word not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God. 
the word of God. Here, Paul equates faithful preaching, the hearing word, with the word of God. He says, you Thessalonians were hearing not the words of men, but you heard the real speech of God. From this text, we plainly see that the preaching of the word of God is really the words of God. We can say that faithful preaching is not man speaking to man, but it is God speaking through a man to man. And this, friends, should heighten how we approach the preached word. For the preached word is more than just explanation and exhortation of Scripture. It is more than just helping the congregation understand a particular uh, verse. It's more than just explaining doctrine. But friends, today before your midst, you are not hearing merely the voice of a man. But what you are hearing is through a man, God speaking to you. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Isn't that interesting? When the preacher preaches, it is God through the preacher that makes his appeal to man. You see, saints, when someone rejects the gospel, they're not rejecting the words of yourself. They're rejecting God because it is God who makes the appeal through man. When you preach accurately and faithfully to your family members and friends, they are rejecting God, not you. It is God appealing through you. Sinner, be reconciled to God. And likewise here this morning, it is God through the instrument of the preacher saying to you, be reconciled to God. Live unto God. Not hypothetically, saints. Not maybe, not if we close our eyes and imagine it, we can maybe hear the voice of God. But God really speaks to us when the word of God is preached. Which leads to the second subpoint: that is, what happens then when God speaks? We've already noted that it is God who speaks. But what happens when God speaks? What is God doing when he speaks? And I would argue that through the preacher, God speaks to his people and pours grace into their souls. When God, or rather when the preacher uh, speaks, it is God who pours grace into our souls. Again, let's consider the words of Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. He says, we thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work within you. Notice, I have no power in myself to work faith in you. I have no power to work grace in you. I have no power to cause you to stop sinning And to find Christ as your supreme and ultimate treasure. I can't do that. 
And I'm not called to do that. It is the word of God that stirs the hearts of men. It is the word of God that causes people to stop sinning. In other words, what Paul is saying here is preaching is more than just information and exhortation. It's more than just a human preacher addressing a human listener. But the preaching is the means God has chosen to work on the souls of his people. Right now. And I hope you have ears to hear. God is working on you. If you have ears to hear this morning. And blessed are those who hear this morning. God is working within you. During the preached word, God puts our souls on the operation table so that we may be elevated to live the way that he has called us onto. You see, the preached word is not merely just for our knowledge of the truth, but it's for our continual progress in sanctification. It's for us to grow in holiness, to grow in righteousness. Friends, how bad do you want to be like Christ? Well, how bad do you want to be like Christ will be indicated and will be dictated by how well you listen to the preached word. You want to be like Christ? Then listen to the preaching of Christ. You want your souls elevated so you may be live in such a way where people might ask, how come you don't do this like others? How come you always go to church and it seems like you always just have the right thing to say. Consider what the preacher says on Sunday morning. When the preacher tells the congregation saints that God has loved us in such a way that he has sent his only beloved son to die for us and that he has sent his spirit to revive us. You think, oh, that's just, that's nice. The preacher is reminding me of the gospel. No, that is God working faith within you. That is God stirring up faith within you. Because all of us need our faith heightened. Or what about when the preacher tells the congregation that Christ has paid the full penalty of our debt to God, that he has been raised in the newness of life and he's coming back for us. You might say, man, praise God, that's the gospel. No, 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 no. That is God working hope within us. He's reminding us and teaching us that the things in this world are temporary, but there, there is one that's coming for me. Or what about saints when the preacher exhorts the Christians to live unto God, to love God because he first loved us? You might say, man, that's, that's a great ending for the gospel, is it not? No, that is, that is God working within you charity and love so that you may cease to love the things of this world and love God and neighbor above all else. They're not just words, but it is God working within you. He's pouring out the virtues in you, the gifts of the Holy Spirit within you. The things that you already know, he's elevating, he's heightening. Saints, when the preacher preaches and speaks on the sinfulness of man and what it took for man to be reconciled to God, that it costs his sinless son his life, we might say to ourselves, gosh, I need to worship 
God in light of that, but saying that is God exhorting you to put sin to death. That is God telling you, look at the cross, look who's there. Now, is your sin worth it? That is God working within you. In fact, saints, whenever the preacher says something, whenever he says something to the congregation as a whole, and you you say to yourself, he's talking to me. I'm sure we all have been there before. You say to yourself, after the preacher has said something, oh my gosh, <laughs> is, there a, is there a camera in my house somewhere? <laughs> How is it that he knows my situation? How is it that he, that he understands what I'm going through right now? Friends, that is God both speaking and working within you. Even right now, it is God speaking and working within you. God, through the preacher, both saves men and judges men. Which side of the coin we be on this morning? He both comforts and rebukes. Where would you want to be on that spectrum? He both strengthens and he humbles the proud. He weakens the arrogant. So saints, what are we to do now? How are we to approach the preached word? What should our mindset be every Sabbath day? Well, let's lastly consider the duty of the preacher and the duty of the hearer. You see, all the weight is not on those who hear. But first and foremost, the weight of the preached word is on the preacher. What is the duty of the preacher? Well, the first duty of the preacher is to rely on Christ and his spirit. The first duty of the preacher is for the preacher to rely on Christ and his spirit. The preacher is not to simply rely on his own ability to understand doctrine. Nor is he to rely on his way with words. But the preacher is to be guided by and to rely upon the Holy Spirit. If one preaches or if one um, of a preacher aims to teach uh, and exhorts the congregation to believe and to love God, then human words, apart from divine activity, is not enough. The preacher, before he even delivers God's word to his people, he must prepare his own heart. The preacher, first and foremost, must preach to himself. He must speak to himself God's word. He must implant within his own heart God's word. That is to say, when the preacher, before he comes before the face of the congregation, he must be before the face of God. He must be in constant prayer. He must continually ask the Holy Spirit to guide his thoughts as he prepares to feed God's people. Should I say this? Should I not say this? You see, saints, the preached word is not only for the congregation. But the preached word is also for the preacher. The preacher, saints, is not working when he preaches. I am not working right now. But when the preacher preaches, he's offering up worship to God. And in order for the preacher to faithfully preach, he must first and foremost rely on God and God's spirit 
for aid. In fact, I remember hearing of Charles Spurgeon, who they think is, he's not, but the greatest preacher of all time. (laughs) Before he went up to the pulpit, he reminded himself and continued to remind himself, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the duty of the preacher is to preach God's word. The duty of the preacher is to preach God's word. This is a simple duty, is it not? Open up God's word, preach it. But saints, it is the most abused and misused in pulpits today. Many preachers today are more concerned with elaborate illustrations than biblical exposition. Many preachers are too overly concerned with application. What the sermon does for you and how do you live in light of it? To the point where digging into the biblical text is seen as merely information. Many preachers use the pulpit as their own platform, their own confessional, rather than seeing their duty as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And friends, this is why at the forefront of every preacher's mind is simply to be faithful to God's word. That's it. That's it. The duty of the preacher is just to preach God's word. Nothing more, nothing less. And friends, this is why the preacher is not to be faithful to his own private opinions. The preacher is not to be faithful to his own pet doctrines. The preacher should not try to say something innovative, new, or creative. The preacher should never try to be impressive. The preacher should not try to make the congregation feel good. But the preacher should take his preaching orders from Paul when he said in 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified. That is the marching order of the preacher. Preacher, who are you to preach about? Christ. What about in the Old Testament? Make a beeline to the cross. What about in the New Testament? After the, after the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, preach Christ. Preach Christ from every text. The task of the preacher is not for the congregation to leave and say, I heard a good sermon today. I felt good today. But the task of the preacher is for the congregation to leave and say, I heard Christ today. That is my aim and Pastor Antonio's aim. I don't give a lick's end of whether or not you think my sermon was good. Of course, I'm judging good from a different angle. But I care if you say the good, the good of the sermon was because I heard the good of Christ. I heard the goodness of my Lord. I heard Jesus Christ and him crucified. I heard Christ. And lastly, saints, the duty of the preacher is to be a faithful shepherd. The preacher's task is not simply to faithfully and carefully handle the word of God, but the preacher's task is to carefully and tenderly care for the souls of God's people. That is to say, the preacher is not to bark orders or belittle the congregation. The preacher is not to call out certain people. The preacher is not to be rude, but rather sensitive. 
The preacher is not to speak like a dictator, but he's to speak like a shepherd. The preacher is to lead God's people to green pastures. The preacher's job is to lead God's people to still waters. The preacher's job is to expose the deadness and the sinfulness of man, but also to lead them to the cross of Christ and to the empty tomb. The preacher is to exhort the congregation to live unto God and to prepare the congregation to die well. You see, saints, what I'm doing this morning is a matter of life and death. I'm both teaching you to live unto Christ, but also I'm both teaching you to die unto Christ. All this to say the preacher is to love God's people because they are not his people, but they are God's people. You are not my people, but you are God's people. You are under the great shepherd's care. You are Christ's sheep. And lastly, let's consider the duties of the hearer. The duties of a hearer. Now, what is your duty now? You've heard the duty of the preacher. Now, what is your duty when you approach the preached word? I just have two for us to consider. Two quick ones. Number one, preparation. And number two, understanding. Preparation, understanding. The first duty of the hearer of the word of God is preparation. Before any big event or special event, we usually prepare ourselves. Men may get a haircut and shave. Women may go out and get a new perfume or do their hair or get uh, new jewelry or clothes. Like I remember leading up to my wedding, uh, there were so many preparations. I was having to drive to L.A. just to make the most smallest and minute preparations. But saints, if we put so much effort in preparing ourselves for these grand and special events, then how much more effort should we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Day? Specifically, the preached word. Weddings are special. I love the birth of children. Championship games and sports are exciting, are they not? But saints, no earthly event can compare to that time in the service when a man comes up, opens God's word up, and Christ speaks to his people. Nothing. There's nothing. And I love reading dead guys, living with them, getting inside their minds. But nothing beats the preached word. Within your heart, you should say to yourself, nothing beats the clear, faithful exposition of Scripture. Ask yourself, congregation, and really ask yourself, do I prepare myself for the preached word? What am I doing to prepare myself for the preached word? And friends, when I say prepare yourself, I don't mean if your clothes are ironed before Sunday. I don't mean if you remember to put that roast in the oven. 
If you got everything in order, so when you get home, your, your place is, is nice and neat. But is your soul prepared? Is your soul prepared to listen to the preached word? Leading up to this Lord's Day, what is your devotion life like? Are you devoted to reading and praying? Here's a better one. Leading up to the Lord's Day, how you've been praying for your preacher. Not so that he can preach well, accurately, but so that he can preach and I can receive. Are you asking God to help your pastor understand God's word so that I may understand God's word? Are you asking God to work in your preacher, in your pastor, so that God can work in me? And saints, it's important to note that preparation doesn't have to begin Wednesday or, or even Monday. You don't have to prepare yourself Sunday night or even Thursday. But as soon as a sermon is finished, we should, we should have this longing for God to speak to us again. We should be like those men who are walking with Christ. And when Christ exposes Himself and all of the Scriptures to them, what happens after? Their hearts burn within them. They wanted to hear more. They didn't want God to stop speaking to them. Through the week, there should be an anticipation growing within us. This is what we should anticipate for. To sing to God. To fellowship with one another at the, to- at the table. But also to hear God's word. To hear him speak to me once again. Congregation, let us have such an anticipation alike into the one that the prophet Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3. And, among, and many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. And that we may walk in his paths. Isaiah prophesied of that day. You are living in this day, in that day. Now let us have the hearts and souls and minds of that day that was prophesied. And the last duty of the hearer is understanding. And this, in fact, is one of the most important ones. If there's anything that you get out of this sermon, saints, I hope it's this. What do you think about when God's word is going forth? What do you think about when God's word is going forth? What is your attitude towards the preacher as he opens up God's word? Not also the preacher, but also God's word itself. What is your attitude like? How open are you to receive God's word? We aren't to be like lawyers who debate God's word, but rather sons and daughters who receive God's word. And since Christ has spoken to speak to us, or chosen to speak to us, during the preached word, then quite simply, we should prize preaching. We should prize preaching. If this is the way in which Christ has chosen to speak to us, what compares to this? What compares to this? 
I can think of a video, an old video, that I saved where I have a, I have a, it's my father speaking. And I, and I watch it regularly. Reminds me of his voice, what he looked like, all these other things, right? But God speaks to me every Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And his word is not an old word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a living word. It's an active word. Saints, through the preacher, God speaks to us. And since through the preaching word, grace is poured out into our souls, then during the preached word, it's not a time for us to do our own thing. During the preached word, it's not time for us to be on our phones. It's not time for us to be catching up on our Bible reading. It's not a time for us to multitask. It's not a time for us to be in prayer, our own private prayer. It's not a time for us to play with the babies that are sitting in front of us. It's not time for us to fall asleep or even worse, take a nap. In fact, saints, I don't have no idea how someone can fall asleep during the preached word. You won't fall asleep when your mama's talking to you. And you sure won't fall asleep when the president's talking to you. So we should not fall asleep when an ambassador of Christ, through whom Christ speaks, speaks to you. Or do anything. We shouldn't tune out the preacher. If he's preaching something that we already know, we have a tendency, we might have a tendency to do that, right? He's preaching the gospel, I already know that, I'm good. But as the great John Webster said, hearing the gospel is never a finished business. Never something which the church is behind. It is always a fresh activity. The gospel is not behind you. The gospel is, let's say, at the forefront of our mind. As Pastor Antonio said last Lord's Day, we should desire for the preacher to remind us of our sin and the great grace of God. We should long to hear again that Jesus Christ has died for a sinner like me. We should crave for the preacher to remind us and reteach us of who God is and what he has done. Friends, do you understand the position that you're in this morning on this side of Revelation? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 17, Truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. These guys were looking forward to see the cross, to see the tomb rolled away. Not only do we have the Bible, but we have books upon books that's tell them, that, that, that speak about it. David longed to hear what you hear this morning. The clarity of what you hear this morning. Abraham longed to hear the clarity of what you're hearing this morning. Moses did not understand fully what he was writing when he wrote it. And he longed for not to see any longer through a glass darkly. But more clearly, saints, you are in that position. 
Friends, I'm saying all this not for you simply to ignore the preacher, to be on your phone when the preacher is preaching, to be playing with babies in front of you while the preacher is preaching, to fall asleep when the preacher is preaching. But more so, don't fall asleep on Christ. Don't fall asleep on God. Don't ignore God. Don't multitask with God. For if the preacher is preaching faithfully, it is not man whom you ignore. It is God whom you ignore. The Puritan Thomas Watson said it more explicitly, the word preach is Christ's voice in the mouth of the minister. And those who refuse to hear Christ speaking in the ministry, Christ will refuse to hear speaking on their deathbed. As I say, a continual ignorance and ignoring of God's word. You think God will hear you when you've ignored to hear him? And mind you, God will hear you. If you ask God to hear you, if you ask God to forgive you, God has decreed and promised on the account of Christ that he will hear you. But as I say, saints, today is the day of salvation. But also today is the day of sanctification. Today is the day not only to turn to Christ, but also to live unto Christ. And saints, my great exhortation for to you this morning is open your ears. Open your minds. Open your hearts. Open your souls to the preaching of God's word. Not for the sake of myself, but for the sake of Christ. Let's pray.